This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our January 6th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. So I welcome you to a new year, a new decade. And throughout the past year, Steve and I have spent a good deal of time here on Invest Talk helping you and your investment strategies align with your risk tolerance and your performance objectives. And we all want to make as much as we possibly can, but you need to do that within reason. And hopefully we are helping you develop strategies uh, that align with that reason. And that reason is your particular risk tolerance, your ability and willingness to take risk. And for those of you that have told your friends and family members about Invest Talk and its downloadable podcast, we thank you going into this new year, exciting new year, exciting new decade. And going into the new decade, our podcast downloads now average approximately 450,000 downloads every single month. And that's added up to over close to we're approaching 20 million downloads, about 19.5 million in the history of Invest Talk. So we thank you for your loyal support. Now we've all seen the latest Mideast news. The markets have reacted in a lot of ways, kind of with not a whole lot of reaction. I mean, gold's gone up a little bit. You know, the market's kind of backed and filled over the past few trading days. And it's tough to really hash out exactly where this market is going in relation to those. You know, are we are we going into war? Is this going to escalate or de-escalate? And, you know, my thoughts are in general, you have to look at the past and the past is they de-escalate typically. So that is uh, a, a good thing, hopefully. Hopefully we don't get a war. I don't think anybody really wants a war. But you still have to view that in context to what's really happening uh, on the ground and in the markets, and hopefully we can help you navigate these treacherous waters. And remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom, and that means we want to make you a better investor, a better decision maker about your money and your investments, and we do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, just like we operate at KPP Financial. Now, in this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along that path. Whatever path you decide for yourself, we're going to help you decide what path that is. We're going to assist you in that, and it involves good saving strategy as well as a good investment strategy. So you can call right now to our anytime listener line. Lines are open at 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And you've probably heard Steve has scheduled two consultation trips in the month of January. So if you can make it or maybe you know a friend that could take advantage of this free, no obligation, sit down one-on-one meeting with Steve either January 24th in Dallas, that's a Friday, or January 28th to 29th in New York City, Tuesday and a Wednesday. It's all about helping you get your asset allocation, asset balance optimized for your particular needs. 
To sign up, you can register at investtalk.com and click on Portfolio Review. Now, my main talking point today concerns the observation that private equity's record $1.5 trillion cash pile comes with a new set of challenges. All that cash means a lot of competition for a small subset of deals, which typically pushes up valuations. We're going to talk about that. I have some other things on my docket for today, but you know we're going to talk about gold, we're going to talk about um, tech stocks, we're going to talk about a lot on today's show, but ultimately I want to know what is on your mind. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, you can call in, maybe it's a stock specific question, maybe it's about you know how to save more in the new year, maybe it's uh, about your mortgage or buying a house. Uh, different alternative investments. I, I hear a lot of people looking at those as well and what are the pros and cons of the strategies. And maybe that's just the long and short of it is understanding the pros and cons. Because guess what? Every single investment you ever make will have pros and cons. Every single one. Some have more than others on each side. And it's up to you to understand what that means for your investment portfolio, your risk tolerance, your asset allocation mix. So maybe we can help you with that as well. So whatever's on your mind, we encourage you to call sooner rather than later. Let's take a little quick look at the market today. We were down early, uh, especially on the back of the tensions over the weekend between the United States and Iran. And we closed the day Marginally higher uh, across the board, pretty much. I mean, small caps were down a, t- a tad. S&P was up about a quarter percent. NASDAQ up about a half a percent. Transportation stocks domestically were down. Probably a lot of that has to do with the p- potential headwind of higher oil prices, right? Uh, home stocks, were, home builders were up because lower interest rates. Interest rates were down a tick. But semiconductors were the biggest laggard, worst performing sector in the market today. So kind of a mixed bag. I think the market's still trying to hash out what does this mean for oil prices and what is the feed through to the economy and what does it mean for domestic versus foreign stocks and interest rates. Do interest rates decline because more risk-off behavior or do interest rates increase because of potential higher inflation pressures from higher oil prices? So, and then where does this go exactly? Like I said, does it escalate or de-escalate? And there's a lot to hash out, I think, over the next couple weeks uh, with the market. We still have the Fed printing $100 billion a month, buying treasuries, monetizing the debt. So that's certainly a tailwind to equity prices as more liquidity is being pushed into the system. And that kind of continues. So that's kind of that breakdown of the markets this first Monday of the new decade. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you probably know that we urge every single one of you to head over to the investtalk.com page, click on the risk tolerance questionnaire, and get your speed limit. Understand the speed limit that you really should have your portfolio invested at, your comfort zone, and then we can help you make sure that you're driving that speed limit. A lot of people are driving well over the speed limit with their portfolio or maybe well under. So head over there now and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
You are listening to Invest Talk. We are in a new year and a new decade. The markets have already seen some volatility, but there's no need to panic. Justin Klein is here, ready to answer your questions and provide his unbiased investing guidance. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Yes, uh, hi guys, uh, Daryl from New Hampshire. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind spending a few moments talking about reverse mortgages and their value towards uh, retirement income, uh, getting close to that, and I'd just like to see if that is uh, a good tool. Thank you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 to get through and ask your question on today's show. And let's see. Let's talk about our main talking point today. Let's dig into that. And that's about private equity. Uh, private equity is now sitting on record $1.5 trillion, close to 1.45, let's call it $1.5 trillion of dry powder. And what that means is there's a lot of money chasing after deals. These And typically private equity is looking for smaller deals, right? They're not making... $50 billion acquisitions, right? They're typically in the one to five billion, somewhere in there, uh, uh, market value when they're making acquisitions. And but that has been pushed up over the years, right? It's pushed up over the years as, you know, where there's more money uh, and the valuations and the competition for those companies becomes more fierce. Now, after, over the past five years, hedge funds which is another type of alternative investment, it's posted about a 5.5% return. Whereas private equity, which typically leverages up their balance sheet of these companies, they've earned about compound 14.4%. Now, clearly the equity markets in general have been buoyant over that time as well, which makes that not surprising, right? That they're, they're doing well. Uh, but it does create a lot of risk, risk in valuation, risk in balance sheets that they carry. And when you look at hedge funds, hedge funds are interesting because I know a lot of people look at hedge funds and they, they, they classify hedge funds as one thing. When in reality, hedge funds are a, a, a broad set of types of funds and strategies. Hedge fund is simply a type of investment vehicle, just like a mutual fund is or an ETF, right? There's different types of ETFs, there's different types of mutual funds, and to kind of lump them all together into one really kind of distracts people from the reality, right? It's just the average of a lot of different types of strategies, many that hedge the market, right? Whereas private equity, they're pretty straightforward usually layer on some debt to their balance sheet, clean up shop, maybe reduce some overhead, switch strategy, marketing strategies, sales strategies, and squeeze extra profit out of the business. And this is enabled by a low cost of capital. Or they borrow at the treasury rate plus maybe 2%. And they go out there, buy, earn, buy companies for just 20 times earnings. Gives you positive carry, right? Where you're paying 
say 4% in interest and you're earning five. And that might not seem like a lot, but when you leverage out the balance sheet five or six times, that can be a big, big payoff. So I think this is an era where there's a lot of potential risk. Some are better than others. You know, you have the Blackstones, Apollos, KKRs of the world. And this is where a lot of debt is being held and a lot of companies that could go bankrupt. A Toys R Us is a good example. Toys R Us was bought by a private equity firm. They levered up the balance sheet. And in a tough environment, operating environment, they went bankrupt. Okay. So this is a lot of the, the, the debt risk in the market, corporate debt risk, isn't necessarily with individual companies that are in the public markets, but many of them are behind the scenes in private equity that are on the private market that are hard to really analyze and understand in today's world. Now, a caller earlier asked about reverse mortgages and their impact on retirement planning. And basically, my take on that is that, yes, reverse mortgages can be a tool in the retirement planning war chest, right, where you are able to suck out the equity and utilize the equity in your home without moving out. But what I look at it as a, a last option, they're very expensive, expensive to set up, right, expensive to carry because every dollar that you take out in that reverse mortgage is starting to accrue interest. And there are some rules around you know, how long you can not be in the home. Let's say you go in the hospital for an extended period of time and you're no longer quote unquote living there. That could force a sale of the home. So I do think reverse mortgages have a place, but more as a last alternative to a more sound retirement plan. Great question. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. And now I'm taking your finance and investing questions live at 8899 chart. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, thanks for taking my question. I'm looking to get into the electric vehicle area, and I'm looking at a couple different ETFs. The symbol is K-A-R-S, and the other one is D-R-I-V. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on these two different ETFs and maybe just diversifying in that area. I don't have any exposure to that right now, so, and I think it's going to take off in the next five or six years or so. Love the show. Thanks again for taking my call. Bye. All right, he's looking at two ETF, KRS and DRIV. Let me take a quick look at this. Uh, KARS is about 55% non-US stocks, whereas the balance would be US stocks. And its biggest holding would be AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, 4%, Tesla, 4%, NVIDIA, 4%, then GM, Texas... So even an alphabet in here, right? Because they have, I forgot the name, uh, Waymo? Is that what it is? I think it's Waymo. And so it's fairly diversified. Uh, I like that. Let me take a look at 
its cost, right? What is the expense ratio? It looks like it's about 0.7%. So that's that's a good starting point. You know, that's not super expensive, but it's not cheap, right? You're looking for kind of a broad net that you're trying to reach here, right? And DRIV, 0.68% expense ratio. So roughly the same. I mean, you're, you're talking two tenths of a, two hundredths of a, of a percent. So pretty minimal when it comes to uh, its expenses. Now, Apple is the top holding here with NVIDIA, Samsung, Intel, Alphabet, Microsoft, Qualcomm. Tesla's not even in the top 10, which makes me kind of happy. Uh, so if I'm going with one or the other, I'm definitely going with DRIV. You don't have Tesla in it, and it has a slightly lower expense ratio versus the other. Um, so I like that. I like DRIV if you are looking for that space. Now, I will say this, and this is more of a, a broad a broad net that I'm painting over these very niche ETFs, and there's a lot of them out there, right? You talk about your robotics ETF and uh, you know cloud computing, things like that, that are very now, very exciting story. Uh, and many of them have come out over the past two or three years. And what I will say is, when these kind of faddish type of ETFs come out, they typically come out when there's over allocation more broadly to the space, right? There's more money chasing after these opportunities. So from a valuation standpoint, they typically are expensive, especially the first few years that they come out because so much money being flooding into the space, right? That's why they came out. It's why they the, the ETF backing them or ETF company backing them is bringing them to market because they know they can get asset flows because people are so interested in putting money towards it, right? So that's why I don't love these very niche ETFs in times when they just came out, like Drive. Let me see when Drive came out, for example. This came out in 2018, so the year and a half ago, and it's actually down actually down even though the market over that time frame is up and Apple is top holding so it just shows you how the, the timing of these very niche ETFs typically are very very poor for the investor great for the fund company that's launching them because they get asset flows but valuation wise they're typically overvalued now you want to look for larger pullbacks for opportunities if you're looking longer term but I'm giving you kind of generalizations in the near term now, we all heard the news that President Trump struck back at Iran by using a drone missile to take out an, an Iranian general. And this has created volatility, especially in the oil markets and the treasury markets as well. Ten-year treasury has fallen to 1.78%. Gold has moved up $14 per ounce today to $15.66. That is a seven-year high on gold. So not only do you have a weaker dollar because of the Fed printing press, but you also have geopolitical concerns, which, you know, those together usually spark a nice rally in gold, and you're seeing that now. Now it might be a little overbought, but that's where we're at right now. Oil prices are now at a seven-month high, up about 3%, $63 a barrel, certainly geopolitical risk being priced in there 
as well. Now, in the wake of this missile response, defense stocks are up, oil stocks clearly up, airlines as a group trading lower. Like, why? Because oil prices tend to go up, higher jet fuel prices, and less people traveling to those regions and just traveling in general. So where are we headed? You've heard me say, stay invested. There's no time to panic. It's more about understanding the risks of the positions that you're in and fine-tuning what is expected, what, what you should expect going forward based on what the market is priced in in reality. Right, oil prices, for example. Is now a good time to maybe trim a little bit? Probably. Because odds are better that this will simmer down as opposed to re-escalate. Now, interest rates and inflation rates remain relatively low, but that could change. So keep an eye on that. 888 chart 888 Give me a call right now. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. You are listening to Invest Talk. 2019 is in the record books, and we are now into a new year and a new decade. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Justin calling from Chicagoland. Uh, so I have a quick question about 401ks. Uh, with the market being where it is and um, World War III being in jeopardy, just a quick question on how to move your 401k during times such as so. If we're worried about that to an extent where we may move our money out of the U.S. market, is it wise, smart, or doable to move it to something such as the Chinese market um, the European market, how would you suggest handling a 401k during, you know, torment times? Appreciate the answer. Uh, look forward to hearing it on the show. Thank you. All right, great question. And I'll just use this as an opportunity to just say our active 401k program that we have for our listeners and our clients, it's great if you want to get quarterly updates on your allocation in your 401k, especially in times like this, kind of keeps you uh on track for understanding where the market is, right? It ranks your, your the the risk in your portfolio, uh, the options that you have, you know, the mutual funds you have. Some people don't have China or European ETFs, it's, it's, or, or mutual funds, excuse me. Ranks them by fees and performance, etc. And you get this quarterly update, right? Our our, our 
subscribers just recently got their update for the quarter. Now, that's my shameless plug <laughs> because I think that it will work for everybody who has a 401k, 403b, TSP, etc. I think everyone should sign up for it if you're having trouble allocating. Now, what I, what I will say is everyone's different. Depends on your strategy. Whether you like, you're willing to take a lot of risk, you're able to take a lot of risk, the answer is going to be different versus somebody that maybe is close to retirement and wants to be more conservative. But the markets haven't really changed much, right? And based on the end of quarter, the markets are still relatively bullish. That's where the trend is. If you are looking for better asset allocation, I would say foreign stocks right now would be a good way to start to shift the mix in your portfolio in general. Now that differs, once again, between plans because every plan is different. Every plan has a different set of funds and opportunities. Now I would not be jumping into China, I'll say that. I'm pretty down on longer term prospects, both politically and economically on China. But I do see places like Europe that have more upside. Britain, for example, has more upside. Uh, so those are the places that I would be allocating more money away from U.S. markets in general. However, I wouldn't use potential World War III as a reason for making the change. It would be more about longer-term asset allocation changes and trends that will likely pay off. Nothing's 100%, but you have to play the odds in the market. So I hope that helped. hope that gave you some broad guidelines, and I'd encourage everyone to look at the Active 401k program over at investtalk.com. Now let's fit in another caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Justin once again calling from Chicagoland. I just have a question on cannabis stocks going into this year, specifically CGC and CRON. Cron, I really like a lot. It's one of the few cannabis companies that has been profitable, that has made money um, in the, the first coming years. I would love to hear you guys' thoughts on those two companies and the cannabis industry as a whole. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the show. Look forward to hearing your answer. All right, looking at CGC, Canopy Growth Corporation, or CRON, which is Kronos. And he's correct that Kronos is one of the few cannabis companies that have reported profits. And they've done actually done it for the last three quarters. And a couple, few quarters uh, before that, they, they had a few, you know, one, one cent profit, two cent profit in 18 and 17. And so they've shown the ability to turn this business into a cash flowing business, a profitable business, and they have minimal debt. Their valuation is still probably a little rich, but it's definitely come down from its all-time high around $8 billion, now we're at $2.3 billion. Uh, it, it's, like I said, still relatively expensive, but it's in an area that does have great long-term growth. I like the space, but once again, this is kind of a good example of people overreaching for a hot sector, and a good example of that is the ETF MJ, which invests in these. And th that one came out in 2016-ish. It rallied into 2018, hit a high of $44 or so, now we're at 16. 
And that's only in the span of a year and a half or so from that, that drop, I mean. And so the valuations still remain relatively rich. I think a lot of weak hands have been shaken out of the space. And it's going to be difficult to understand who is going to thrive in an environment where there is more and more legalization, both on the state level, which I expect many more this year to be legalized, right, when the election comes in in November. And if you get a Democrat in the White House replacing Trump, you're likely to see, or maybe an independent, (laughs) hopefully, uh, you're likely to see a legalization on a federal level. Now, they've, they've done that to some extent in Canada, but the big prize is the United States market. All that black market business coming on to the real market. Now, I think that is going to continue. That's going to grow. I think that's going to be great for the, the industry. But you have to remember, a lot of that was definitely priced in, and it still, to some degree, is priced in as well. And you have to be aware of that. That, yes, it's a great story, but who's going to be the real winner? Who The real winners are going to be those that have good management teams, that know how to navigate this market, both from a legal sense as well as a business strategic sense. Right? Because these aren't the only companies coming after the space. There's, all, there, there's a billion, you know, companies that launched edible products and, uh, you know, vape pens and things like that, that are already in the space and many will die out because of poor management and lack of business skills, especially in this space. There's a lot of, you know, former dealers that just want to become legal and they don't really understand business. They don't really know. So it's really more to me about the management and what their previous experience has been and whether or not they can thrive in a business sense because money's going to flow into the space But long-term, the real money is going to flow into the best management. Thanks for the call. Great question. And if I'm picking one, once again, it's Cron, C-R-O-N, Kronos. All right, now my main talking point today is about valuation in the market. And Goldman Sachs just came out with a a recent report, kind of looking back in 2019. And the S&P was up close to 30% on the year after a, a modest down year in 2018. But what drove... Nearly all of the earnings, or sorry, the the returns in 2019 was not earnings. It was actually multiple expansion. About 92% of the index's gains had to do with an expanding P multiple from 14 times all the way to 19 times. Now, you can look at it in, in multiple ways, but I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear what drove the change in multiples, and that was a change in Fed policy, lower interest rates, right? When the cost of capital and 10-year treasury in in late last year, in 2018, I still got to get used to saying last year was 2019, but yeah, late 2018, you had treasury rates close to 3% still. And by the end of this year, we were sub 2 And why that doesn't sound like a lot from a valuation standpoint, when you're using discounted cash flow method, you're discounting those future earnings and cash flows, a 2% discount rate versus a 3% discount rate is drastically different. 
It's a 50% change. And that was a big reason why you saw multiple expansion was a reliquification of the system by the Fed and more op- more optimism around the trade war and that it was no longer going to be a headwind. That's what was a big part of the fourth quarter rally. Now, the big question is, what about this year? What is going to drive either further multiple expansion or earnings expansion? Now, I think the Fed has embarked on what it's going to embark on. I don't think they're going to lower interest rates, barring any drastic drop in the markets or upset in the financial markets. So I don't see a lot of multiple expansion happening this year. So it's really going to be driven by earnings expansion. And there's certainly some optimism around that. The trade war changes, the deal that China is going to spend a certain amount of money in the United States and how much will flow to corporate bottom line, that will be TBD. But there's certainly optimism around that. And then if the business community is happy happy with that setup and the way it's going, Maybe they're going to invest more in their business, and that would drive up business investment that has been kind of poor over the past few years. And so that's really where you're going to get further increases in the market this year. I think you're likely to see volatility, just like we've seen over the past few days, because of geopolitical problems, as well as maybe uncertainty around the election. Who's going to be elected? Who's going to be the candidate? Right? We have the Iowa caucus coming up in roughly a month. So there's going to be volatility around that. And then as the year goes on, you're going to get more clarity on profits. If we have another year like last year, I don't think you get a much return this year because profits last year weren't that great from a growth standpoint. Like I said, only 8% of the growth in the market last year was attributed to increasing profits. The rest was multiple expansion. So earnings have to take over in 2020. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to InvestTalk. And 2019 was a very good year for us at KPP Financial and InvestTalk. And our podcast downloads are quite popular. And we thank you for that, both Steve and I. And be sure to tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. Now, we have a good number of resources available to assist you with your goal of building a better financial future. And of course, you can call our anytime listener line, leave your investment or market questions, and we'll answer them on a future radio show or podcast. You can also visit investtalk.com and check out the RiskLize risk questionnaire, help you understand your and manage your investment risk perception. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has added two new portfolio review trips to his schedule. Steve will be in Dallas, Texas on Friday, January 24th, and he'll return to New York City for two days, Tuesday and Wednesday, January 28th and 29th. These are no-cost and no-obligation consultations. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin welcome your investing questions, and the phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I just wanted to start off by saying I love the show. Thank you for everything you do for us. We learn a lot from you. 
This is Matt from Minnesota. I have a question on a stock that I'm very interested in. It's LMT. Yes, Lockheed Martin. Pay a great dividend. They've done real well with a Republican in the office. That's true. I'm looking at buying this stock for long term. It's a great dividend play. Always will increase dividend. Plus, it will always grow in price, too. Think about putting maybe a trailing stop on it also in case a Democrat gets elected in November. But um, even so, if a Democrat does, it will drop in price, but um, it will continue to grow over a long-term hold always. So look for your words of wisdom on the stock. Thank you. I'll be listening on the podcast. Have a good day. All right, look at Lockheed Martin, and it's clearly had a nice little boost for the past few days because of the potential conflict between the United States and Iran. And Iran. And long-term, yes, they do increase their profits and they're a good dividend play. Uh, but here's my biggest worry is, first off, what you said about Democrat in the White House, that certainly will probably sting a little bit, the the defense contractors, because Republicans, and Trump is just like most of the other ones, and probably even more so, spending they spend a lot on the military. They're very open about funding more of the military, uh, and that is that typically goes right to the bottom lines of companies like Lockheed Martin. <clears throat> now, the big question is, will the previous trajectory of defense spending continue? Now, if you go to war, you have some broader conflict, certainly that's probably the case. However, I think you have two big risks here. One, we talked about with the Democrat, but also, look at the deficit. We're at a trillion, north of a trillion dollar deficit over the past year. And the Fed has begun to monetize the debt. And therefore, we're reaching the upper limits. And I could argue we're past the upper limits of the level of debt that we can just continue to carry and feed into the market year after year. And eventually, there's going to need to be entitlement reform. There's going to need to be changes to our fiscal situation. And clearly, defense is one of those that, you know, we're still, I think we're, we spend more money than the top 10 next countries combined on military. I'm sure there's a lot of efficiencies that can be ringed out of there, uh, cost cuts, etc. And I think long term, there'll be cuts to military. They'll just have to be because of the budget problem. And so that's why I don't love Lockheed Martin log term because I see two big risks to the stock and military spending. We have about 10 minutes left, so get your call in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, is it time for investors to call upon predetermined exit points to cut their losses as they weigh portfolio risks? How to play stocks during periods of increased volatility? that story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here ready with answers and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin 888-99-CHART. Hello, this is Dan from New York. Uh, Steve and Justin, I can't express enough on how much I've learned from your show over the years. And I had the pleasure, my wife and I had the pleasure in meeting Steve on November 7th in New York, we both learned a lot there as well. I have 30% of cash in the money market with a seven-day yield 
of 1.7% compounds, 1.72. Do you think it's a good idea for me to put some of this in a short-term bond fund at this time? The symbol of the two bond funds I'm looking at is with Vanguard, VCSH and VFSTX. If so, should I do both or just one, like splitting it up? On VCSH, what target price should I look for? I was thinking $80.89. I'll be looking forward to listening on the podcast. Thank you. All right. All right. He's looking at Vanguard, short-term corporate bond ETF, VCSH, and is that what it, yeah, I typed it in wrong. VCSH. There we go. And then the other one is the Vanguard short-term investment grade investment class mutual fund VFSTX. Both it looks like invested very similarly short-term bond fund. Both yield about 2.2%, but the mutual fund has about a 20 basis point expense ratio, whereas the ETF about a five basis point expense ratio. So the, mu the, the, the mutual fund is about four times more expensive. And therefore, I would definitely go with the ETF. Now, there are some caveats here. Does, has Vanguard moved to commission-free trading on ETFs? If that's so, and there's commission-free trading into uh, out of this name, this is not a bad alternative. However, there are risks involved, right? Money market trades at $1. There's not really that up and, up and down. Now, VCSH, it doesn't really trade in too much of uh, a vol too much volatility, even though the chart, it kind of looks like it. But it, over the past six months or so, its trade did a high of 81.33 and a low kind of around 80.72. So in a half a point, half a percentage point range, and you've received roughly that in dividends. Maybe a little more, call it 1% in dividends. So, you know, there's some volatility there. I would look for kind of that 81 mark on this to, to, to buy it, somewhere in there, and maybe a little bit below. But you need to have zero commission charges, like we have with our clients at TD Ameritrade, or maybe you have, uh, I think Fidelity went to zero, Schwab went to zero. I'm not sure if Vanguard went to zero yet, but it's definitely something that you should consider because a lot of mutual funds, that one might be no commission. And so depending on the size of your account, it may be more advantageous to go mutual fund, even though the expense ratio is higher, but the trading costs in and out might be lower. So to me, that's my biggest question mark is what are the trading costs in and out? Because if you want to use this money, whether to buy a stock or buy another position or just take the money out and use it for your, your life, you're, you're going to need to make a trade on it. And if that trade is going to cost you some money, then I would avoid it because of those trading costs and the differences. So to me, it's about the cheapest trading cost. If they're both zero, I would go with the ETF. VCSH is the symbol. Now we just concluded the most prosperous holiday shopping season ever. So let's look at the data. 2019 was our first trillion dollar shopping season. And for the period of November 1st through December 24th, which is the holiday season, there was an approximately 15% increase over 2018. Pretty wild. Retailers are expected about $41.6 billion in merchandise returns. And the majority of returns will be to online sellers. Not a shock here. 
UPS has estimated they will handle 1.9 million return packages daily over the coming weeks. Now, there's a positive aspect to a good percentage of returns is that people will go back into the stores and then probably make new purchases. So that happens a lot too. You buy online, go back to the store, return it, but you still, still spend. So retailers don't hate that. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve will be here tomorrow. Please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.